Hello, and welcome to Healing for Your Thoughts, the podcast that has the kind of conversations that help us all heal out loud rather than continue suffering in silence. I'm so glad you could join us today. Let's get into the show. Poet, author, and civil rights activist, Audre Lorde once said, self-care is not self-indulgence, it is self-preservation. So when you think about self-care, does your brain health come to mind? If not, you may want to rethink your ideas about it. Just like they say that milk does a body good, so then does brain health. This is especially true when you consider all of the different kinds of information our brains consume every second, every minute, every hour of the day. With the genesis of social media and the parallel existence of sometimes inflammatory news reporting, we're exposed to a number of things, the good, the bad, and the in-between, and our brains are constantly trying to make sense of what we see, what we hear, and what we read. Believe it or not, Even when we don't immediately realize it, all of that consumption definitely has a significant impact on brain health. As I reflect upon hearing the news and seeing the horrific images of America's most recent mass shooting last week in which three adults and three young children were senselessly murdered at the hands of a person that it's been reported was allegedly experiencing some kind of emotional spiral after the death of a close friend. I'm all the more heartbroken, both as a mom and a human being, knowing that suspected mental illness could have played a part in this tragedy. So as I think about it further, my brain, and I'm sure that of so many others, is trying to process to make sense of what is so senseless. And the stress of that, the real cost of that processing is not necessarily noticed right away, and yet I'm sure it's there. Case in point, Just yesterday, during a trip to Costco, my family and I witnessed what could have well turned into yet another senseless shooting, if not for some environmental awareness and quick thinking on the part of my husband. We were out with our daughter as she practiced her driving skills and we needed to stop and get gas. We pulled into Costco and all was good at first. My husband and daughter stood at the pump so he could teach her about getting gas for the car And then just like that, things went left. Two men, one Asian, one Caucasian, began to argue about their respective places in line. Profanity filled the air, flying first out of the mouth of the Asian guy, but only in reaction to the Caucasian guy having called him multiple racial epithets. As my husband stood with my daughter, trying to quickly pump our gas, he noticed the Caucasian guy move toward his vehicle, opening the door like he was going to reach for possibly a weapon, while continuing to yell some really vile things. Before I think he even had a chance to fully consider the risk, my husband stepped between the two men as the Costco gas attendant began to also walk toward the conflict. My daughter stood there frozen, watching her daddy try to defuse the situation. My husband tried calming the Caucasian guy down, continuously saying to him that whatever he wanted to do, beyond getting his gas and leaving, I guess, in this moment, simply wasn't worth it. All I could see him saying to this guy was, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. And after what seemed like an eternity, the Asian guy left the station and the Caucasian guy eventually closed his car door and went back to pumping his gas. It's not for me or any of you really to judge whether my husband should have intervened. 
He is absolutely a stand-up guy. He will always stand up for what is right because he was raised that way. He's a protector. He's our protector. And in the moments that followed the eruption of conflict, he quickly assessed the situation and took action to try and protect the peace that had existed just moments before. So what instead is important here is that a potential crisis was ultimately averted after rational thinking was set aside in favor of flared tempers. So again, a potential crisis was averted, but now there was some processing to do and a conversation to be had because my daughter witnessed something she couldn't unsee and she needed to try and make it make sense. Back in the car and later seated at dinner, she expressed being terrified at the situation, especially after seeing her dad intervene. Listen to her, I couldn't help but think about how that piece of information had, at least if only temporarily, impacted her brain health because it came with fear and anxiety that honestly shouldn't have been hers to experience. Some people listening to this might say that that situation yesterday is a part of life and thus it is what it is. On one end of the spectrum, that may be true, but I also have to wonder about like the overall impact. You know, what I said in the beginning is that the harm that sometimes the information we take into our brains can cause. And reflecting on what she was thinking about what she saw, I couldn't help but consider that piece of information now being etched in her brain. As her mama, what I immediately recognized at dinner is that a part of her healing the feelings of fear was being able to talk about it as much or as little as she needed to. So her dad and I honored that. And after a few minutes, we moved on to other topics of discussion. This brings me to another point about self-care and brain health. Sometimes all we need is the emotional safe space to speak our truth as a part of processing. We don't necessarily want or need anyone to fix what seems wrong, but instead we just need them to listen, not to respond, but to understand so that the person with the lived experience knows that they're being seen and heard. Another way to practice this solo is to avoid things like negative self-talk. Because honestly, this isn't rocket science. It's just a provision of some good old-fashioned human kindness. Beyond this, there are a few other ways to practice self-care through the support and protection of brain health. Specifically, according to the Women's Brain Health Initiative, there are about six pillars of brain health. Our ability to provide a listening ear to another after they've experienced an anxiety-inducing event aligns with the pillar of stress management. And then two of the more obvious pillars are diet, not not the kind of diet that is intended to help you lose weight, but more so along the lines of brain nutrition, as well as exercise each with their own benefits. So we can practice something called mindful eating through the mind diet. And the mind diet legitimately is a thing. Um, It consists of eating 10 brain healthy food groups. Um, And these food groups include things like berries and leafy green vegetables, beans and grains, nuts, fish, and poultry, to name a few. It also includes limiting the consumption of red meat, sugar, and processed foods. So basically, our brain nutrition should include a colorful diet. The more color on our plate at each meal, the better it is for our brains. 
The final three pillars include social activity, mental stimulation, and sleep. Where social activity is concerned, it's critical, critical for brain health to continuously and positively interact with others. We were made to be a part of one another's lives. So much so that a study published in the Journal of Neurology, Neurosurgery, and Psychiatry in 2013 found that loneliness can dramatically increase the risk of dementia in older adults by as much as nearly 65%. When COVID broke out in 2020, our world experienced isolation unlike anything we'd ever seen before on a global scale. And I think from a um, mental health perspective, the impact of that isolation was long reaching and really, really significant. And it's so much so that I think we're seeing, still seeing rather, the aftershocks of that now. So get out and be social because our brains, your brains need that. But then, as I also mentioned before, mental stimulation is critical for brain health. To achieve this, we can do things like try something new that requires critical thinking. Um, puzzles and games are good. If you play a, minst- a musical instrument or want to learn to play a musical instrument or even a new language, all of those different kinds of things um, definitely stimulate brain health. And for those like me who like to read, that is also one of the things that helps keeps our keep our brains active. And understand that these are just a few suggestions, but the options are actually endless. Last but certainly not least, regularly getting good sleep at least six hours is probably the easiest way to practice self-care by promoting brain health because it renews both our mental and physical energy. And it also helps us to process the residual information and experiences left over from the day so that we can start fresh tomorrow. Basically, the moral of the story is this, be good to your mind and your body will follow. This has been Healing for Your Thoughts. Thank you for listening. Join me Tuesday, April 4th, as I sit down with the owners of Fit Medical Weight Loss based in Tumble, Texas, as we talk about functional medicine and how these ladies are using it to both save and change lives. In the meantime, remember to strive to live well and with intention. All my best, Charlie.